Hey, this is Pastor Sam, and thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. can be seated this morning. Man, I, I love worshiping with you guys. I know I say that almost every week, but I really do. That's like my initial response as soon as the music's over is like, man, that was awesome. I love that. Um, we're launching a brand new series this morning that I'm pretty excited about. We're going to spend the next four weeks in this series, but um, to kind of start off and give you kind of some insight on how we got here and how we came to this conclusion of this is how we want to start 2017, um, I, I kind of want to think back a little bit to 2016. There were a lot of good things that happened in 2016, right? I mean, there were a lot of positives. You see all these Facebook um, like memes that people are sharing of all the things that happened, and they all end up culminating in the idea that Leonardo DiCaprio finally got an Oscar, right? And like that was like the big culminating fact of 2016. That gives you a little insight to 2016. Um, But uh, a lot of good things did happen, but a lot of really, really bad things happened too. And it was a really, really difficult year. And then it was heightened and compounded by the election cycle, which was crazy. We'll say crazy. We'll use that uh, adjective this morning. It's crazy. And um, it, it was just, it was a wild year. There was so much that was separating. There was so much that was polarizing. There was so much that was just negative. And there was so much that could seemingly be defeating and tearing us down throughout 2016. And so in October, November, December, I began praying and thinking and asking God, you know, where do we want to go in 2017? What do we want to be about in 2017? What do we want to focus on? How do we want to kind of recalibrate our vision and recalibrate our mission as a church, as a faith community? What do we want to be about in 2017? And so initially, um, I thought that we want to be about redemption. I thought redemption, that's a good word. That's a good concept. I think that would be great. That would really help us moving forward. Redemption is good. It's a good thing. And I thought, but it's just not big enough. And so I thought, okay, let's, let's go with reconciliation. That's a really good word. That's a really good idea. That's a really good concept, the reconciling of things, bringing things back together, right? Because we've been so polarized and so separated and so divided, let's reconcile all things in 2017. But then it still was leaving me wanting, you know? It was, I was still thinking, it's not big enough. It's not a big enough concept. It's not all-encompassing enough for us to kind of say, this is where we are taking st- our flag and this is where we're going this next year. These are the things that we're chasing after and who we're gonna be until Bob spoke in December. And we had this uh, Advent series where we covered hope and joy and love and peace and all the Advent, theme- Advent themes. And we called it Emmanuel, God with us. And when Bob spoke about peace, it wasn't even what his whole message was about, but there was a segment of it that he talked about this concept of shalom. And when he talked about shalom halfway through December, after I had been racking my brain about it for five or six weeks, it hit me like a ton of bricks while he was talking. I was like, dude. I, that's my internal dialogue. I call myself dude. I was like, dude, that's it. That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to be about. That's how we're going to frame our, our life as a church in 2017. It's this concept of shalom. 
And shalom, it, it supersedes happenings. It supersedes incidents. It supersedes movements. It supersedes situations. It's bigger than all the stuff that happened in 2016. It goes bigger and beyond all of that. Shalom supersedes individual experience. And our stories that we bring to the table, it's bigger than your individual story. It's, it's bigger than even our collective story. It's bigger than our own knowledge. It's bigger than all of this stuff. Shalom is this concept of completeness. Shalom is this concept of wholeness, or, or the term is used welfare to describe shalom. It's fullness. It's safety. It's flourishing. It's, it's excelling. It's reconciliation. It's delight. It's redemption. It's all these things sort of wrapped into one. And shalom is for all people. Shalom is for all creation. It's community. It's relationship. Essentially what shalom is, is it's God's design for humanity. It's a very powerful, huge concept. That in our culture, as much the, the most that we know about it is it was in the movie The Fiddler on the Roof, right? They say that word in there. And it's used to like say hello and goodbye. It's like shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. The people with the pigtails, they say shalom. And that's all we know, right? That's our interaction with this concept and verbiage of shalom. But today what I want to do is I want to lay the groundwork not only for this series where we're going to spend the next couple of weeks, but I also want to lay the groundwork for 2017. And we're going to revisit this concept and kind of go a little deeper on Wednesday, January 18th. If you guys want to mark your calendars, we're having our vision night. Or we're going to talk about 2017. We're going to look at our calendar, look at some of the things we're going to be doing, some of the, the goals that we have, and we're going to lay it out there for our church. And so it's Wednesday night at 6.30 on January 18th, and there will be childcare. They're going to have a big movie night party in the back, and so it's going to be a good time for the whole family. But I would encourage you guys to, to, to mark your calendars and be here for that on Wednesday night, 6.30, January 18th, where we have our vision night. We kind of dig into this a little more. But here's the deal. I believe that if we can grasp this concept, if we can wrap our heads around this understanding of shalom, and we can bring shalom into our lives, and we can bring shalom into our workplace and into our families, and we can bring shalom into kind of the focus of our life, I believe that it will radically impact us as individuals, and I believe that it'll radically impact our faith community as a whole when all these individuals come together to create community. And so let's pray together, and then I'll kind of unpack this concept of shalom and what it looks like and what it means and how we plan to do this, okay? So let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the freedom that we have to come together and to worship you, the freedom that we have to come together corporately and hang out with each other, and the freedom that we have to dive into your word and allow it to speak truth to us. It's such an honor, and it's such a privilege, and we just we pause and we reflect and we thank you for that. God, I pray this morning that as we discuss some of these concepts and, and we kind of uh, you know, lay our, our plans for the future, we know that we can roll the dice, but you determine how they land. And we know that you are ultimately in control. And Lord, we just, we yield ourselves to you. And we ask that you would speak truth and life to us. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So this whole thing, this whole concept starts in Genesis chapter one, beginning of the Bible, Right? And uh, in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says this. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. 
And so this is probably not new information to you. If you've been around church at all in your life, if you've been around uh, any sort of religious stuff at all, you've probably heard before that humanity is created in God's image, right? Is this a brand new concept to anybody? I mean, we've, we've heard this before. We're created in the image of God, right? But when the early Jewish writers were writing about the Im- being created in the image of God, it was a much bigger idea than our idea today, you know? Because I, I even remember growing up thinking about this and processing this of created in the image. So God looks like me? Hmm, thought he was like way better looking than that, you know? And it just obviously thinking through this as a young kid and, and just processing this, we're created in the image of God. What does that look like? How does that work? Because I look super different than that person and that person looks super different than that person and they look different than me and we all look very different. And so we reconcile it with God's a very creative God and we're all just individual strokes of his paintbrush and, you know, all these different analogies to describe us being created in the image of God, but when you get into the early Jewish literature and what these writers meant by this terminology, it's really, really fascinating because it carried a more thorough meaning, this idea of being created in the image of God. It was this idea that humanity is created as image bearers of God to live in four harmonious relationships. We were created in the image of God to live in harmony in four particular ways. We were created to live in harmony with God. Humanity in harmony with God. That was his design when he created us. We were also created to live in harmony with others, with other humanity. And that was part of his creative design for us. Another part of his creative design, this another relationship, is to live in harmony with ourselves and have a self-care and a self-love and a relationship in and of ourselves. And then we were also created to be in harmony with creation. And so it's this kind of four, four, this web of four relationships that kind of makes up being created in the image of God. God says, I'm going to create mankind and I'm going to make mankind live in harmony with me. And there's going to be relationship there and closeness there and communion there between us. I'm going to make mankind to live in harmony with each other. And there's going to be relationship there and there's going to be communion there and there's going to be a closeness there. I'm going to make mankind to be uh, in, harmo- in harmony with themselves. And there's going to be relationship there and there's going to be closeness there and there's going to be understanding there and there's going to be confidence there. Not fear and guilt and shame, but a close unified, harmonious relationship with ourselves. And then God says, I'm going to create mankind to be in harmony with my creation. And this is all exemplified in the first two chapters of Genesis. The way that God creates human, humankind in the stories there talks all about these harmonious relationships that we have with ourselves and with God and with others and with creation. And so when we say we're created in the image of God, this is the concept. It's God's initial creative design for humanity, to be in harmony, to live in harmony with God, to live in harmony with others, to live in harmony with ourselves, and to live in harmony with creation. It's all over Genesis chapter one and chapter two. And then we get to Genesis chapter three. And those of you who have spent time in church also know what happens in Genesis chapter three. It's the fall of mankind. Sin enters the story. Right? And we've heard the story, the tree, the untouchable tree, right? The apple, the serpent tells Eve, hey, come get this apple. This is not brand new to to, to anybody. They've they've heard this story. And so in Genesis chapter 3, you have this, the fall of mankind. You know what that is? It's shalom disrupted. Genesis chapter 3 is this shalom disrupted. It disrupts our relationship and view of ourselves. It disrupts our relationship 
with God. It disrupts our relationship with others. It disrupts our relationship with creation. The way that God designed us to be and, and, and put his creative fingerprint on us, Genesis chapter three disrupts all of that. And it's incredible when you go through the passage and you realize it because in, in verse eight of chapter three, humanity hides from God. Humanity, you know, God and humanity had this communion, this closeness. They would fellowship together. There was harmony in that relationship. And then humanity decides to hide from God. God says, hey, where are you guys? And they're like, oh, oh, we're hiding over here. There's this like disruption that takes place. This separation that's born between humanity and God. That's no longer a harmonious relationship. There's a tension there. There's a chasm there because sin has entered the scene. And then in verse 10, God says, you know, hey, what's up? Why are you guys hiding? I'm like, oh, because we're naked. And he's like, how did you know that? Right? Their relationship with themselves has been tainted. They're no longer viewing themselves as a pure created vessel by God. Now they're viewing themselves in the lens, through the lens of shame of, ooh, I got to cover this stuff up. Like, what's going on here? Because shalom has been disrupted in the relationship of self. And then in verse 12, God's saying, okay, what's the deal? And, God, and Adam, I love this, Adam's like, Eve did it, right? And he's like, it was her. Relationship between humanity is disrupted. The shalom there, the harmonious relationship, there's only two people. You should think they'd be able to get along, right? But no, he's like, uh, it was her. God, if you're gonna strike anybody, it's her, right? And so there's this, this disruption that takes place between humanity. And then in uh, verse 13, Eve's like, uh-uh, it was a serpent, Right? And they're passing blame onto creation. And so there's a chasm in that relationship. And there's a separation that takes place. All of this happens in Genesis chapter 3. Shalom is disrupted because God created us to live in harmony in these four relationships, in this web of relationships. And so sin enters the scene and it disrupts and breaks up all of those different things. And then we have consequences that take place as the story goes on. Right? In Genesis, in, in, in verse 23, Humanity's banished from the garden. They got to take off. Now the separation between God and man is, is, is even greater. He says you can no longer dwell in the garden as consequences of sin, as consequences of you choosing something other than me and putting something in between us. You've done this, and so now there must be this separation that takes place. In verse 21, it says that they fashioned clothes together. So they've covered themselves up. They said, you know what? We're no longer good to be naked in the, in the way that God made us and the beauty and glory that God has designed us. Now we got to cover that up because there's shame and there's guilt and there's these different insecurities that have now entered the scene because shalom has been disrupted. And then in verse 16, it talks about how uh, women are going to have pain in childbirth and they're going to be submissive to the husband and that, that there's this now marriage relationship that's going to have tension and all these different things that's going to happen as a result because there's been separation of the harmonious relationship between humanity amongst one another. And then in verse 17, it talks about crushing the serpent. And then in verse, uh, or in verse 14, and then in verse 17, it talks about the ground is cursed. And now Adam has to work hard to toil and to, to bring production from the ground so that he can feed and farm. And he's going to be tired and it's going to be tiresome and hard and all this stuff because shalom has been disrupted between humanity and creation. And so when sin enters the scene, it screws all this stuff up. And it separates all this stuff and creates all kinds of different tensions that take place. And so this is where we find ourselves. This is where we find ourselves in 2017. 
We're on the other side of Genesis chapter three, where shalom is disrupted. We're on the other side of Genesis chapter three, where sin causes separation between our relationship with God. It causes separation between our relationship with each other. It causes separation with our relationship with ourselves. And it causes separation between our relationship and creation. And so many of the problems that we face can be narrowed down to these four broken relationships. It can be narrowed down to shalom disrupted. We're out of sync with God's creative purposes. We're out of sync with the way that God designed us and created us to be. We're broken in that way. We're separated by sin. It's almost as if there's this human vandalism on God's creative design. It's like we got in and we just screwed it all up. Thus enters Jesus. Then Jesus comes on the scene. And the story through scriptures talks about how humanity just gets further and further from God and further and further from each other and all these wars and all these battles and all this different stuff that takes place. And then Jesus shows up. And Jesus is this game plan. Jesus is this catalyst to restore shalom to humanity. Jesus shows up and says, hey, listen, I want to make things right between you and God. I want to make things right between you and each other. I want to make things right with you and yourself. I want to make things right between you and creation. And so his incarnation that we spent all of December talking about, his, his death, his life, his resurrection, his ascension, everything that you find in the stories of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in your New Testament, everything you find in there is the story of Jesus, and it all activates us in the process of reconciliation to God. Everything that you find about the life of Jesus, he's saying, guys, I want to fix it. I want to make it better. I want you to experience your creative design that what God has called you to be, to live in shalom. I want this for you. And so Jesus comes on the scene and does that. And so he's sort of this catalyst and doorway to shalom, right? He comes in and he says, this is how it's going to happen. All you have to do is accept the sacrifice that I made for you. The sacrificial atonement where he says, hey, you want to be cool with God? I'm the way that you're cool with God. It's through me that you come to God. It's through me that you can experience this restoration and this reconciliation and this sort of shalom concept. But even Jesus, before he takes off, he says, but there's something that's coming that's better than even me. There's something coming that's better than me. And we look at that and we read that and we say, wait, 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 what would be better than having Jesus here like right now? Like, hello, that would be incredible. Hey, this is my friend Jesus. He died for you. You should be a Christian. That would be a game changer, Right? Door-to-door evangelism would never be the same. Hey, this is Jesus. Like, this is him. Like, him. Him, right? We'd think that would be the best thing ever, but he says, no, something better is coming. He says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, right? And so the Holy Spirit comes, and that's to guide us along the way. That's, that's rather than God with us in Jesus, it's God in us through the Holy Spirit. And so we can carry this, this catalyst, this, this, this fire starter, if you will, inside of us. And we can become that catalyst of shalom. We can carry that with us everywhere that we go. But I believe that in order to adequately and fully experience harmony with ourselves, in order to adequately experience and and fully understand this harmony with each other, in order for us to adequately and fully experience this harmony with creation, I feel like we have to 
get to a place of harmony with God first. I feel like that that's the foundation. That's the bedrock for all the rest of it. I feel like we have to be in harmony with God before we can be in harmony with ourselves. I feel like we have to be in harmony with God before we can be in harmony with others. I feel like we have to be in harmony with God before we can be in harmony with creation. I feel like that's step one. That's the basis, that's the foundation, that's the bedrock in which all the rest is built on. But here's the deal, here's what's so crazy about this. It's not just on us to chase God. God is not this elusive other that's way off that we have to chase after and that we have to go, 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 go. And if we're good enough, we'll get there. And if we do this, we'll get there. And if you come to church every week, you'll get there. And if you pay your tithes, you'll get there. And if you do this, you'll get there. And if you do that, that's, that, see, that's not the way it worked because here's the deal. God desires shalom for your life. It's not some carrot out on a stick where God's saying, you want shalom, come get it. You want shalom, come get it. You want shalom, come. No, he's saying, this is how I created you. This is how I designed you. This is my goal for you. This is what I want for you. He wants these relationships. He wants closeness and communion with you. He wants fellowship with you. He wants a shalom relationship with you that's full and that flourishes and that's, 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 that's delightful, that's reconciling, that's redemptive, that's all of these different things. He wants that with you. God wants that. So it's kind of like this, this two-way street because it's his, intentional, it's his intention from the beginning for you. It's his creative design. It's, the, it's, it's, in, it's with that in mind that he even created you. His deepest desires are to fellowship and love you. He wants that. It's not some elusive other, something else that we can't get. And so here it becomes the question. That sounds awesome, Sam. That sounds great. Um, and, and that's cool that God wants that with me. But, but what, 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 what? And so my response is this. It's a question. What is separating you from closeness and fellowship and communion and relationship with God? What is it in your life that's, that's, that's the chasm? What is it in your life that's separating you? Is it a sin? Is it something that, that you know is wrong, but you're doing it anyway? Is it something that, that's, that's a, let me say this. Whatever it is that pops in your head initially that you're saying, oh yeah, hmm, that, maybe that's it. Oh, hmm, maybe this is it. And there's you know, probably 50 different ideas going around inside your heads right now of what it could be. I can almost guarantee you that every idea that pops into your head has you in the driver's seat, not God. I can almost guarantee that. That anything that you would think might be separating you from God, it has you in the driver's seat. You trying to run the show. You trying to call the shots. You trying to be the king of your own life and the king of your own world when God's saying, hey, no, 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 no. Don't prop yourself up with your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge me and I will make your path straight. He's saying you need to take up a posture of dependency. You need to take up a posture of trust. You need to lean hard into who I am. And so what is it in your life that's separating you from closeness, from fellowship, from communion, from relationship with God? What is it? Because here's the deal. Something needs to change. Something in your heart, something in your life needs to change. Chances are. Maybe it's something as simple as a perspective. Maybe you need to shift your perspective and say, whoa, yeah, man, okay. So God desires this relationship with me and I desire that relationship with God, so I need to make this thing happen. 
I need to, to get right with God. I need to make this thing cool between us. Maybe it's as simple as a perspective shift. Maybe it's some relationships that need to change. Maybe it's some of your friendships that need to change. Maybe it's some of your dating relationships that need to change. Maybe it's some of the influencers in your life that need to change. Maybe you need to stop listening to some of the blogs you're listening to or stop reading some of the books you're reading because it's creating a chasm between you and God. And it's not pointing you to God, it's pushing you away from God. So maybe some things need to change. Maybe it's the trajectory of your life and it's saying, okay, I'm living my life to chase money. Maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I should chase God and he'll, if he wants me to have a bunch of money, he'll make it happen rather than making money the top. I mean, maybe it's a trajectory shift or a perspective shift. Maybe some things in our lives need to be removed. Maybe not changed, but removed all together. Maybe some of our habits need to be removed. Maybe we need to stop doing some of the things that we're doing because it's creating a chasm between us and God. Closeness is not happening because we're consistently going back to these same habits that continually push us away from God. These same habits that are creating a chasm in our hearts and our lives. Maybe it's some hobbies that we're doing that we think are harmless, but really if we remove these hobbies from our life, our life would be drastically and incredibly different. And so maybe it's a hobby that needs to go. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you don't need to change the relationships. Maybe you just need to cut that crap out now and say, I'm done. This relationship is over because I'm making a choice to move close to Jesus and this ain't happening. It ain't happening as long as this is going down. Or maybe it's influences again. You need to remove some of the voices that are speaking into you. Remove some of the influences that are pouring into your life. But maybe it's not changing. Maybe it's not removing. Maybe for some of you, it's adding. I'm not going to stand up here and say, you need to stop listening to everybody, stop doing everything, stop interacting with everyone, and you need to go close yourself in a closet and pray by God. I'm not saying that. I don't want you to be a hermit and have no relationships. That's anti-progress, right? That's not what I'm trying to say here. I'm not saying you need to cut everything out of your life and you know, no secularism at all and just you and Jesus because you're on the planet for a reason. You're in this culture for a reason. He has a purpose and a plan for you, right? So you're here on purpose. So don't close yourself into a closet your whole life and not interact with anyone. You know, if, if Jesus wanted to be just you and him, he'd take you up to heaven, right? He likes you too much to leave you down here for any longer than you have to be, right? So I'm not saying that, but maybe some things need to be added as you begin to move forward. And you say, okay, what do I need to add to my life to experience this closeness with God? Maybe you need to add some habits to your life. Maybe it's not all about just removing the habits. Maybe you need to add some habits as well, you know, like, Maybe open that Bible that you have every once, just once. That would be good. <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe it's opening a Bible and, and, and creating a habit there. Maybe it's praying. Something as simple as praying before your food, that's a start. But maybe it's adding the habit of prayer. Maybe it's adding the habit of generosity. Maybe it's adding the habit of worship. And it's adding these different habits to your life that can move you closer to God. Maybe it's adding these different disciplines, these different perspective shifts. Maybe it's adding relationships. You know, I don't want you to leave all your friends and lose all your friends and then have no friends. Add more friends. Maybe some of you need to spark up friendships within these four walls right here. Some of the people in this room who are where you are, they're broken and they're trying. They're not perfect, but they're chasing Jesus. And so they can understand the struggle. They can understand what's going on in your head and in your heart space. 
So maybe you need to make some relationships in here. Maybe you need to add some new relationships. Maybe you need to add some new influences. I'm not saying stop letting people speak into your life. I'm just saying let the right people speak into your life. So maybe you need to change some things. Maybe you need to remove some things, but maybe you need to add some things as well. Because imagine, imagine what it would be like living life the way that God creatively designed you to live. Imagine living in shalom. Imagine experiencing that, having a close, harmonious relationship with God, a close, harmonious relationship with each other, a close, harmonious relationship with yourself, and a close, harmonious relationship with the world that God has placed us in. Imagine how incredible that would be. Imagine how beautiful that would be. Imagine walking and resting and acting and reacting and living in shalom and experiencing shalom. Because here's the deal. That's the idea of following Jesus. It's achieving this shalom. It's achieving this shalom. And it can be achieved. But not, it can't be achieved because, let me take that back, because I've not arrived. Don't let me sit here and say, hey, kiss my pinky ring and one day you'll get on my level. That's not what I'm saying at all, okay? That's, that's not the attitude behind this at all. I'm in progress as well. That's the beauty of this faith community. When Bob gets up here and talks, he's in process as well. When Chris gets up and talks, he's in way more progress than me and Bob. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But he's in progress as well, you know? We're all in this together. It's a community thing. And shalom is something that we're aiming to achieve. And that's what following Jesus is about. We always say following Jesus makes your life better, but it also makes you better at life. That's the idea. It's chasing after this concept of shalom, to have this web of relationships of harmony and peace in our lives. So this morning, as we're beginning this journey that we're going to spend the next four weeks kind of breaking these relationships down, I want to encourage you and challenge you to find what it is that needs to happen in your life for you to take one step closer to getting that harmony with God, to getting in harmony with God, to experience that closeness, that communion, that fellowship with him. And so we've intentionally carved out some space. The band's gonna lead us in two songs. So if you're, count, if you're on a countdown to lunch, there's two songs left and then you can go. But we've intentionally carved out some space so that you can do business with God this morning. So that if we've said anything that kind of pricks your heart and says, you know what, yeah, I need that. Maybe you're in here and you're saying, I'm nowhere with God. I need to start the process. It's simple. Hey, 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 God, um, what that kind of weird guy up there just said, I want that. He knows your heart. You don't have to have these big, elaborate, boisterous, churchy words. You say, God, I want what he's talking about. And essentially it's saying, I accept your sacrifice and I want you to take the wheel of my life. I want, I want to follow you. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how that's going to play out, but I, I want in. That's all it takes to start the process. And then the journey lasts a lifetime. But it's that simple. And so maybe you're there. Maybe you're at the spot where you need to rearrange some things. Maybe you're at the spot where you need to delete some things. Maybe you're at the spot where you need to add some things. But we want to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. Because we believe that this shalom life that God has designed, that's what's up. That's where we want to be. That's where we're headed. And so we want all of us to head there together. So let's pray together. God, God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the encouragement and inspiration that it brings. And 
the challenge that it brings. God, for those of us in here who are starting the journey, I pray that you send your Holy Spirit now to connect with us and to speak with us. God, for those of us who are rearranging things, who are getting rid of things, who are adding things, I pray that we would do work with you this morning, in this time that's carved out. I pray that as we draw near to you, you would fulfill your promise and draw near to us. That we would experience you in a real, life-changing way this morning. We open ourselves up to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, challenged you, and that you experience true life change. Make sure you head over to iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc.